This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 party people. It is December 5th, 2023, and you are joining us for episode 204 of the Laravel News Podcast. Podcast, podcast. Podcast! We're going to go with the uh, Syntax FM shock jock intro today, folks. <laughs> I really think that'd be a great idea, though. Redo our intro. I mean, I've said this how many times, right? I'm just going to hire I'm somebody happy on Fiverr. To do whatever you want to do, right. you got to do it. All right, it's going to happen. It's happening. Hey, so folks, we are right into it because uh, you know what? I don't know. Do we have to be right into it? We've only got nine fifteen. I don't know somebody. Like don't say it. You're gonna. No, I'm you're not gonna, gonna say infer- it. You're gonna. Not but you're gonna, gonna make the it. inference, and that's gonna be enough nope. to drag this out to forty five minutes. Not gonna do it. Not doing it. Well, hey everybody. Uh, we seriously are glad to have you, and seriously, we should actually redo an, an intro. And also, seriously, um, I've been doing a lot of painting recently. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I've been doing a lot of painting. And you know what? The best. Okay, here's the one thing you need. You gotta have gloves. First of all, gotta have gloves. Gloves. Don't yes. paint with bare hands. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Gotta have like gloves. I mean, like just like you know, like surgical stoggles, like like you know, little mm-hmm. latex gloves. Gotta have those. Um, number two, you have to have one of these little handy paint buckets, like that you can pour stuff into that has a liner. Have you seen these? It's like a little bucket, and then it's got like the plastic liner in it. You gotta have that. And then third, you have to have a really good brush for edging. So you have to have a stiff bristled mm-hmm. brush for edging. And then uh, a good roller. Got to have a good roller. I recommend Purdy. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my absolute favorite part of painting. Let's hear it. It's when it's finished. Yep. <laughs> when it's done. Yep. But here, here's kind of where I'm at. I used to try and be like a little bit economical when I would paint. Like I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to use all the different things because like I don't, you know, I'll spend a little bit of extra time cleaning up. Nope. Don't do that anymore. If there's a little bit extra paint, I literally just leave it. I I let it dry and I throw it all out. Like I would rather Mm -hmm. spend more money and buy more paint and buy more supplies and just throw them away when I'm done than try and squeeze every last little penny. It's like, dude, I'll pay 20 bucks extra to get done with this job without having to do nearly as much cleanup. And it has just made my life yeah. so much better. Like the, the thought process is always keep this paint because if you ever need a touch up or anything, but you're never going to have a touch up. And I've still got paint from when yeah. my house was built yeah. 13 years ago. No. And it's like, that paint's not even going to be good now. The, the thing is, it it's not that you don't need a touch up. It's that you'll never get the stuff out to do the touch up. That's the actual reality no, of it. No. You need plenty of touch ups. You, you need them all the time. Go, yeah, it's fine. I'll get around to it next time. I'll just I wait paint. until the wall is bad enough to paint the whole, the whole thing. That's correct. That's correct. Maybe mm-hmm. I should have like a touch up day every quarter. Like where I just go around and get the paint out and like a little house. roller. And, you know, just schedule it. It's like one Saturday a quarter where I go around and just do like, oh, yeah, the kids drew on the wall there. Because that's that's literally what Mm -hmm. ended up happening. I painted my whole first floor. And then like the next week, my kids got a crayon out and just colored all over the wall. And it's like, well, that's going to be there forever. And it is. It's still been there. But it is amazing going up and painting walls. You realize this wall is freaking filthy. (laughs) This wall is so dirty. You shine a work light on it and there's so many dents. And stuff in those yeah. walls. And I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing anything. I don't care. I'm just going to cover it up with paint. Every time 
every time one of the kids picks up a car or a truck or like gets angry and throws something like Eli a little while ago had himself a little tanty pants and went into mm. his room and like threw a bottle at the wall. And Ooh, so there's just yes. like a hunk mm-hmm. in the wall. Mm-hmm. And I went, I saw it and I'm like, well, I didn't see him do it. It's too late to say anything about it now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's did, like, like he just confessed to it and it's like, that's all right, bud. Let's uh, just not do that again. Yeah. Let's not do that again. It's funny. I know I, it's whatever. So anyway, it has, like there is, it does feel really good to get done. Uh, with it and just step back and look at it and be like, ah, oh, it feels nice. Like it feels nice and clean and fresh. Mm-hmm. And I painted the ceilings even. It's crazy. I'm going all in. So it's been it's been a lot of work. Anyway, uh, that's my latest home project stuff. And um, yeah, I'll I'll send updates. We can put pictures in the show notes. Maybe there's this, I'm really proud maybe. of my cut-ins along the ceiling because I painted my ceiling and then I had to paint the crown a different color. Painting the crown, molding a different color. I took forever on those things and it shows because it took forever. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad to be done with that. Okay. Anyway, folks, we are moving on this week. The Laravel Laravel news, the Laravel news team released 10.34 all by ourselves. We did the whole thing. Yep. 10.34 adds a missing (laughs) method that applies to route groups and alias for the new number class and extensions validation rule and more. So here's a bit more about the new features that were introduced this week. Let's talk about uh, allowing multiple types in collections in Sure Method. So Ash Allen, who has a couple different books that he's put out there. And I actually, now that I'm saying that, I remember that I bought one on Black Friday and haven't read it yet. Dang it. I got to read that thing. It's consuming APIs in Laravel, which is really, really good. I read like the first 30 pages and it was awesome. Then I forgot about it. So Ash mm-hmm. Allen contributed an update to the collection in Sure Method that allows you to pass multiple types instead of only allowing one type. So what this does is if you go a collection uh, of an array of items, you can say ensure as a chained fluent method onto that. And then you can pass in a class. And what it'll do is it will ensure that all of the items of that array that you just passed in are of a particular type. So if you say collect and then open bracket for an array, the start of an array, we say new user, new user, new user, right? You have three new users. Great. Chain on arrow ensure user class. So that will basically do a type check against all of the items in the array to make sure that they are in fact users. However, if you wanted to be able to pass more than one type of class in there, you'd be in a little bit of a pickle because you can only check to see if it's of one type. Well, now you can do it with more than one type. So instead of passing a particular class, you can pass an array of classes. So ensure that this is either a user class or a contact class, right? And so now it'll allow you to do that for both of those. So thank you, Ash. Nice job. I'd never heard of Ensure, by the way, until just now. I was today years old and I learned that. Uh, Ronald Edelskop contributed the ability to add a missing callback for the routes on a group. So in the case that you have, um, what you can do, let's see here. <laughs> I did not know this existed either, I don't think. Yeah, the the missing the missing method allows you yeah, the, the missing method allows you to kind of change the default behavior. For if there's a model not found? Yeah. Yeah, it's typically used with like route model binding, which sure. will return a model not found exception. But you may choose to, you know, say something else or return a different message or whatever else. Interesting. Um, so, so prior to this, it had to be done on a per route basis. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. So let's say you have a route that points to a controller that has a model bound in the method there, right? So let's say you have in your route, you specify a uh, user, right? And that's supposed to pass the ID of the user through there. And then Laravel will go ahead and look up the user by the primary key that's specified on that model. And so if that's ID, you'd pass in the ID through the route and it's going to go look up the user. Now, in the case that it doesn't find the user uh, for that implicit model route binding, it's going to just by default throw a 404. But if you wanted to do something different, you can chain onto that arrow missing and then pass a closure that allows you to do sort of uh, whatever you want there. And so instead of having to do that for every single route inside a group now, sorry, yeah, instead of having to do that on every single route, you can now just add it as a particular um, method on the whole group itself. And I said you can do whatever you want. I don't know that it's actually true. It looks like what you can do is you can pass like a success uh, as true or false, and then you can pass a message. That's really interesting though. Not have not seen that before either. I was also today years old when I learned about the missing route method, but this is just making it nicer for you to work with it in groups. Okay. Yusanlito contributed a file extensions validation rule that you can use in combination with the MIMES validation rule. Uh, so you can say this particular uh, request object that's coming in should have a, uh, this one should be a file and it should be a MIME type of JPG, JPEG, or PNG. And then you can say the extension should be JPG or PNG. Now, what, why would you want to do this? There are, you could have a particular type of file uh, that matches a MIME type, but it might not have that extension, right? So it's possible you could have a JPG uh, MIME type that does not have that type of extension. It could have a, you know, in this case, in this particular instance, it could have a JPEG extension, right? So it matches the MIME. Mm-hmm. But you're enforcing the extension here is what you're trying to do. You're saying, yeah, the MIME needs to be this, fine. But I'm actually talking about the dot something, the dot whatever, extension. That needs to be one of these particular pieces. So it was also added to the validation documentation, which notes that the extension rule should be used in tandem with validating the MIME type via the MIMES rule. So this is, I think, maybe people... It, the the reason I think that it's important that they note that is because people could be tempted to think that the just checking the extension is sufficient. Check this, check the extension, and you should be good. That's not actually what you typically want to check. You want to check the mime type because it's a little bit harder to fake, I think. Whereas an extension type could just be whatever, right? So there you have it, right? Like this would be like is somebody shipping through a zip with a .jpg extension, right? You could do that. You could send through a zip file. With, so anyway. Check the MIME type for sure, always, but also now you can enforce the extensions. Okay, that was probably way too long on that particular one, but there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Jamie York contributed aliasing the number utility class for quick use and blade templates without needing to import that entire namespace. So previously would have had to, in your blade, go ahead and import like illuminate, support, number, colon, colon, whatever. Uh, Dodop, right, is what we said we were going to call it colon, colon. Uh, but now you can just number dodop percentage uh, right inside of your blade template without having to import the namespace. So that's pretty nice. Noboro Shiroia. Shiroa. How do you say that? How do you say Shiroiwa. Shiroiwa. Oh, that's a good one. An O followed by an I. I've never had to do that. 
uh, contributed adding the conditionable trait to the test response class, which you can use when asserting the response. Let's see here. I'm trying to see where this one is. So this gives you the ability use, to yeah, use like when, when you're chaining. So on your, if you do a, a this acting as get, um, you can now do this acting on get, assert okay, arrow when, in a similar way that you can do with eloquent or in collections and things like that. So you can do like conditional assertions on the the, the test response if you're passing in, say, a data set, if you're using a data provider in your test oh. to, to kind of iterate through different different cases or different scenarios. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, fair enough. I, I could see how that could get used. I think typically the way that I do this is, and you tell me how you do it, Michael, I would pass almost my assertion along with that data set there. So with you know, with that data provider data set, I would pass along the assertion for what I would expect it to be. And that way I wouldn't have to do something mm -hmm. like this, but yeah, this, I mean, that's one way of getting going about it. It depends on how much you want to duplicate um, and how much, you know, I suppose you have to make the decision from a readability perspective. Do you want to see all of this stuff inside that test or do you want to see it? Like, do you have to go and look at the data set now in the example in in the article that we've got, the data set is directly attached to the test. But in some situations, that data set we're looking at in the context of PEST at the moment. So you can do test, name, function, and then you chain on with and then pass the data set directly. Sure. But yep. if you're using a PHP unit and you've got a data provider, it's typically going to be further down in the file. So they, they're a little bit detached. And so it may be unclear what those assertions are, what those you know, expectations are if you've got that closure being passed into the function as opposed to being sure. in line. Yeah. It depends, obviously, how many you've got. You know, in this example, it's only two. So it's probably not too egregious to, you know, do that switch within the context of the test. But if, if those things vary quite a lot or you've got a lot of different scenarios that you want to look at, then, yeah, I think maybe putting it into the data set itself or the data provider makes a little bit more sense because it kind of contextualizes... Right. Yeah, that the, stuff all together. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't it. noise. You know, it doesn't make that test noisy. If you're doing like four or five or six conditional switches, maybe that could be considered a code smell. So, yep, 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 indeed. Okay, that's it. That is it for ten point thirty four. Let's go Sweet. to PHP eight point three. PHP eight point three was released on the twentieth of November with a type class constants, a JSON validate function, and more. So the main things, and we've got uh, links to all of these RFCs on the PHP wiki, there's typed class constants. So in, in a class previously, you could say whether a constant was private or public. Now you can also say that it's a, you know, a public integer, public string, public Boolean. So you get that additional type safety on the class constants. There's a new JSON validate function. Previously, we had to kind of parse the entire JSON and then check the, the JSON last error or the JSON last um, yeah. error message yep, yep. function to see if there was anything there. And that required parsing the entire JSON document. So this JSON validate gives you that assurance that you've got valid JSON, but in a more memory efficient and you know time efficient manner. There's dynamic class constant fetching the ability to mark overridden methods. So there's a new uh, override attribute, which allows you to kind of annotate in your code when you're overriding something from a parent class. And PHP will also guard you against situations where that, you know, you might be refactoring some code and you delete the method from the parent class. Like PHP will tell you, hey, this is marked as an override, 
but the thing that you're overriding in the parent class no longer exists. So it kind of gives you a bit more strictness in your in your code in that regard. There's a new MB string pad function, fallback values for any environment variables supporting linting multiple files at once, uh, more appropriate date and time exceptions, deep cloning of read-only properties, randomizer additions, and a whole lot more. So I won't go into it in too much detail. As I said, we've got links to all of these RFCs themselves in the show notes. And I think I'll dig out Brent Roos. He's got the stitcher.io. He covers all of the, the latest PHP stuff in, in a lot of detail and does a great job. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try and find those as well and link them up in the show notes for you. Yep. Uh, we've used, we used to use constants a decent amount uh, before we had first party support for enums. Uh, but we're switching over to enums more and more as we go. Um, so yeah. it's always interesting. Um, when you know what the situation is like i guess you could conceivably bind an enum member to a class constant if you wanted to do that um yeah, yeah that's true you know it's always interesting do you do you want something that's global or do you want something that's context bound to to that specific class yeah it's always if a I have interesting something, conversation yeah if i have something that's only used in that one spot it'll be a constant on that class so for example the other day i had to have something where i was like i had a threshold we were doing an auction page for our christmas auction and if the last bid came in under the threshold right if it came in under 12 mm-hmm. seconds we would have a time that was uh reset to this amount of seconds and so that was only used in those two, like in that class. That's it. It was just, there was no need for an enum. There was just a constant, right? But then we also had um, user types, right? Which was like, you know, you had managers and users and admins. And those were going to be used in multiple places to, for checks and things like that. And so if I'm ever going to use something in more than one place, uh, I'll typically make it an enum. But yeah, there's still definitely a case for constants. And so with 8.3 now, you could type hint, this constant threshold is an integer now. So you couldn't do that before. Uh, so now you can, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then the dynamic class constant fetch. It took me a minute to figure out kind of what this was talking about here. Um, basically, what this was saying is previously, you could not do something like uh, reference, use a variable to grab a constant off of a class. So if I set a framework, if I had a framework class and I have a constant of name equaling Laravel, the only way to get that was to do framework colon colon name. I couldn't. I couldn't do there. There was the only other way you could do that was to actually call the method constant, uh, and then you'd have to kind of pull it off that way. Which I didn't even know you could do that. To be honest, I, I didn't know you could do that because I've tried to do this before. Um, but now with eight point three, you can say framework colon colon and then in brackets reference a variable, which can then pull that constant off of that particular class using a variable, which is really nice. Okay, there we go. Same thing you said about how it made sense to my brain. There we go. And you had just laughed and said, yeah, we said this was going to be a short episode and we're 19 minutes in and we're on releases still. Yeah, well, it's true. Okay, announcing Laravel Pulse. I think we talked about this last time too, didn't we? Or no, no, I guess we didn't because we, we did not. We you, I'm, the video was not yet. The video was not yet out or the uh, the the package had not yet been released, right? And so um, right. it now has been released. Laravel Pulse is a brand new free and open source performance monitoring and insights tool for Laravel applications that was announced at Laracon AU by Jess Acha from the Laravel core team. We have talked about what Laravel Pulse is on the show, I think, last time, but we're going we're, we're gonna to give a quick recap here. This gives you an aggregate view of performance data for your Laravel app. So 
you know, we talked a little bit about telescope. Telescope gives you individual information about individual requests or individual cues or things like that. Pulse gives you aggregate views of performance data. So system stats like CPU, memory, storage usage, application usage like requests or slow routes, jobs, queue throughput, slow jobs, slow queries, exceptions, cache hits and misses, outgoing request times. And Pulse was designed specifically for Laravel and knows all about the core components like queues, events, mails, notifications, caching, and more. It collects the minimal amount of data that it needs in order to generate these cards for you. And then it's saved locally. So you maintain full control. So you're not shipping it off to some third-party thing. It's all self-hosted and works anywhere that Laravel runs on VPS, on Laravel Forge, Vapor, etc. The UI is responsive as well, which is really nice. has light and dark modes. And of course, it's free and open source. Thank you to Taylor for making that possible. Um, There is a quick item as far as how Pulse compares to Telescope. The biggest comparison here is that Telescope is great for local development and Laravel Pulse is the high level aggregate data. It's lean and production ready. Um, It's not going to replace your air tracker, but it's going to augment them pretty nicely. Um, so there is an interactive live demo that you can go view. Uh, there's also Jess Archer's, uh, sorry, sorry, Jess, Jess Archer's video here on the uh, on the blog post. And uh, she gives a recap of the application usage and how you can discover slow routes and how you can fix them, et cetera, et cetera. So really, really good stuff. Michael, thanks so much for writing this one up. Great stuff in here. Excited to use this one in production. I was really hoping to use it for that Christmas auction app that I was talking about just a little bit ago. We did it on Friday, but it wasn't mm-hmm. out by then. So bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to use it for something, uh, but you need to have Livewire version 3. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to upgrade V2 to V3 for this project. So mm-hmm. I haven't Understood. looked at it yet, but Understood. I'll get there. I'll get there. Also, check out uh, builtwithpulse.com. Aaron Francis even though he's on parental leave has been putting together this thing, which is going to be like the, the pulse equivalent of Nova packages. So if you come up with some cards and you make them into packages that, that you want to share, have a look at that. I think I Aaron's think also put out com. an article I that talks about built with pulse. Is it .io or something? I don't think uh, it's .com. It's uh, spell it for me. B U I L. Sorry. Built, built for pulse. Gotcha. Built for pulse. There we go. Okay. Um, He's done that and he's also put out an article that talks a bit about how to create a, a Pulse plugin or a Pulse package. So we'll link those in the show notes for you. Cool. Tallstack UI is a new component library for Tallstack apps. It is a library of ready-to-use components for the Tallstack, so Tailwind, Alpine, Laravel, and Livewire applications. AJ Mireles said in the release announcement, after two months of work, it's time to introduce Tallstack UI, a new component library for Tallstack apps. There are more than 20 ready-to-use components and an innovative personalization way. Uh, according to Mireles, it was created because he was tired of relying on uh, component libraries that had been abandoned over time. And since he has a SaaS based on the Tallstack, he decided to create a Tallstack UI to maintain the library that he's using, ensuring regular updates. Currently includes components for forms, UI elements, interactions, errors, and more. So you can check it out at the Tallstack UI website. We'll have a link to that for you in the show notes. Very nice. Got another package. Use Olama LLM models locally with Laravel. The Olama Laravel package provides seamless integration with the Olama API. So Olama Laravel is a Laravel package that provides that for you. It includes functionalities for model management, prompt generation, format setting, and more. Uh, so it's really good for developers looking to leverage the power of Olama API in their Laravel applications. So if you don't know what Olama is, 
then you should go look that up first, I would assume, um, because that's what you're doing, right? You're you're pulling this into your Laravel package, right? Uh, or sorry, into your Laravel application. Uh, so you can access the powerful language models locally and interface with them using Laravel. Um, you can use Llama 2, OpenChat, Starcoder. Again, if you're using uh, this tool and you want to use it inside of your Laravel app, now you can, right? It's a local large language model that you can interact with. It's, that's basically, that. that's the punchline here, right? It's, it's getting kind of crazy, dude. I'll be honest. So like in one of our secret chats that we have over there, I've been trying to keep up with David Hemphill and TJ Miller talking about all their stuff, dude. It's wild. It's a wild, wild world. I wake world. up in the morning and then there's just dozens of messages and I don't understand any of it. I know. And I, I'll, I'll I give be, them a quick I'm happy scan. to live in bliss. I, I give it a quick scan and look over it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, guys. I'm going to let you kind of lead the charge on this one. They're going to figure out all the cool stuff. I mean, they are doing all a bunch of cool stuff. I think it's like they're doing local um, image generation stuff, right? What do they call that? What's that cool thing? It's like not diff. Uh, is it diff? stuff like what uh, is stable, stable, stable diffusion. diffusion thank you stable diffusion mm. stuff right yeah they're doing that locally so there there was one that was a that tj sent over that was like oh i could run that on my mac and then i also sent one you know that code fire is it code fire anyway i can't remember sure. anyway this guy has a youtube channel where he talks about all these things and he basically broke down how to get local uh stable diffusion stuff working on your on your mac and like walked through here's like the five steps you need to do because there's like a million ways to do it but he was like, here's the definitely here's the simplest way to do it. Anyway, I digress. If you want to use local large large language models, um, have at it, my friends. Have at it. All right, on to the packages. First up, we have a pulse card that will show you outdated composer dependencies in Laravel Pulse. It is a package by Aaron Francis, and it shows you exactly what I said. Uh, the card is a visual representation of running Compose's outdated command from the CLI, which can let you know which dependencies are ready to update in your application. Um, and as I mentioned, if you'd like to create your own Pulse cards, you can check out the documentation to see how to create cards you can display on your application dashboard and add custom Pulse card to your apps by following the readme instructions on GitHub. You can get started at Aaron Francis slash Pulse outdated on GitHub, but we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. You don't have to stop what you're doing and try and transcribe what i just said click just click the link in the in the show notes and you'll be set i'm gonna do my best uh, michael dorinda imitation here all right up next we have a feature flags implementation for filament everyone's favorite human wrote this one up mr paul redmond uh the filament feature flags package by Stephen jude is a feature segmentation package made with laravel pennant which by the way folks i've got to tell you if you're not using Laravel Pennant, you are missing out on life. Life. You're missing out on it. It is awesome. It has changed so much about the way that we do development. And I could not be happier. I think this is probably more a uh, you know, a commercial for feature flags in general that you should be developing with feature flags because it just makes your life so much better. You can ship features behind a feature flag and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if it's done or mm-hmm. not. Like you could just push it. Just turn it on later. Turn it on. Literally push it out there if it breaks or whatever. And you know, it literally doesn't matter. Like, so I had a feature. That I'm like, I think it's going to be pretty good. Like I've tested it locally. It should all work great. Pushed it and something went wrong with it Famous in production. What's that? Yeah. Well, I pushed it and, and it was like something went wrong with production, but it was okay because nobody was using it yet. 
So it was just me. Yeah. So I was like, told the other developer, hey, by the way, this particular key is wrong when you're sending this request over to production. This is, you know, you missed this. And oh, oh okay, no problem. He fixed it. No big deal. You make a change and then mm-hmm. you go, you go turn it on once it's all set and you've tested it in production. It's all working great. It's just awesome. So if you're not using Laravel Pennant, Pennant basically brings feature flags as a first party feature to Laravel. And it's really, really nice. So anyway. Do you know why Pennant exists? <laughs> Tell me. Do you, do you know why Pennant exists? Tell me. Because because Tim was working on Forge and was terrified that he was going to completely break it. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> which is where which is where Pennant came from. He talked about it in his uh this is not a secret. He talked about it in the in the team QA at Laracon AU, which the video came out today. I saw actually, that. So yeah. check that out. I that was a lot that. of fun. That was cool. Yeah, that's awesome though. It, it's I'm telling you, it's just a game changer. It has been awesome for us. So, like one of the things, and I'm sorry, I know I'm going off track here. One of the things that some of our folks internally had complained about is they're like, man, you guys just release features, but you don't ever tell us it's coming. You just all of a sudden change something. And it's really annoying that like there's not good communication mm-hmm. around this. And like you have existed functionality and you guys want to release this new feature that you think is going to be better, but you just break it. And it's like super annoying. And so what we've been able to do now is we give the team managers the feature. And we say, hey, guys, try this out, test it out, see what you think. And they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll get them bought in. And then they do training with their team. And then they say, hey, by the way, next Friday, we're cutting over. And so they, get, you know, they can get a couple people can opt in early if they want. It's just a much smoother transition from one thing to the next. And people feel like they are empowered to make the decision themselves. If they want to switch over early, they can. <sighs> it's just awesome. Anyway, this is not the package we're talking about. The package we're talking about uh, utilizes Laravel Pennant. So this feature flag package provides a UI to manage configurable features and segments in your filament application. That's what this one does. So if you have a filament application and you're using Laravel Pennant, you can use this filament feature flags package to manage those things. That's it. That's what's on the tin. And um, that's all there is to it. So this was more of a commercial for Pennant then for this package, but uh, if you happen to use filament and want to use pennant, you can use both of them using this. Awesome. Up to you. Excellent. So generate validation rules from a database schema in Laravel. This is a package that automatically generates some basic Laravel validation rules based on your database table schema. You can use the package as a starting point to quickly create boilerplate rules and optimizers needed. So this is good if you've you know scaffold, scaffolded out your application and you need to kind of reverse engineer the the rules and this will kind of give you a quick boost to do it um without having without having to go and do it all manually which is which is nice um you can target specific columns you can skip columns you can even generate a form request class there's also an online version of the package that you can use to experiment with it uh, or to use it to manually take a schema and convert it to an array of validation rules so you can visit validationforlaravel.com to check it out uh, you can learn more about the package get the full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub links in the show notes. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Okay. Our fearless leader, Mr. Eric Barnes, made a video, uh, which we talked about this package months ago. And I remember being very confused about what exactly it was doing. (laughs) And so Eric made a video and he even did like the whole YouTube, you know, cover art thing where he looks very excited about whatever it is he's presenting. And I can just imagine him laughing his head off making this graphic. It's really funny. Good job, Eric. But Tailwind Merge is a package 
that automatically resolves Tailwind CSS class conflicts in Laravel. Um, so here's here's the deal. If you have a blade component, let's say that you have circle.blade.php and you put that into your components uh, directory. And so now you're going to reference that using x-circle. If you're not using blade components, by the way, yet you should. But inside of that component, you can have default classes that you have on there, right? So you can say either the circle is going to be a height of 10, a width of 10. I want it to be rounded full, a full rounded circle. And then by default, I want it to have a background of red, BG red 500. Great, all fine. But when you're utilizing that class, that component inside of your blade, you're going to say x dash circle. And then what you can do is you can pass your own class values, right? So let's say that in this instance, you want to pass BG blue 500. So typically it's red, but you want it to be blue. Well, the weird thing is that if you were to merge those, what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with both. You're going to end up with BG red 500 and BG blue 500, which is not what you're after. With this package, Tailwind Merge, it will remove any conflicting classes and leave you with only the last one, essentially, is the idea. So, for example, if you had a class block, a list of classes that had both block and inline, it's going to remove the block class and only leave the inline class. It knows which ones would conflict, right? So if you have flex, grid, block, and inline, it's going to take whatever the last one is because those are all uh, elements that affect the way that it's getting displayed, right? If you have PL4 and PX6, PL says padding left four, and PX6 says padding left and right six. Well, in this case, if you had both of those in there and you were using Tailwind Merge, it would remove the PL-4 and PX-6 uh, would be the thing that's left. It depends on the order in which you put them in here. But this is really nice when you're trying to write components and you don't want to have to do sort of some weird diffing on your own or uh, have to remember, no, I set the padding on that one uh, inside of the component, so I can't change anything about that uh, when I'm utilizing it. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just use this TW merge and it will take care of all your problems for you. So this is all written up inside of this blog post. It's also written up inside the documentation of the Tailwind Merge package. Or you can watch the video in which Eric describes it in great detail how you can utilize this inside of your Laravel applications. Really, really nice. Uh, thank you so much for writing that up, Paul. Thank you so much for creating the video. Eric, nicely done. Beautiful. Well, folks. All done. That's it. That's all of the things. That's it. That's all of the things. And it's been a while since we've chatted. So time flies when you're having fun, as they say. Well, folks, episode 204 is in the books. You can find show notes for this one at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 204. Rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be incredible. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Durendo, or at Laravel News. And I am going to send something to a shock jock imitator on Fiverr and see if we can't get ourselves a new intro. Until next time, folks, we'll see you. Goodbye.